Happy New Year, everybody. It is Tinkerbuff at the Pool Cleaner Hour. And I have a pretty interesting and fun cryptid tale to start off the year with. It's a little more lighthearted than I've been inflicting upon you guys lately. I figured you might appreciate that. This is going to be the Mad Gasser of Mattoon, Illinois. And if you know anything about Illinois, besides that it's the state next to mine, it's a pretty boring state. Not a lot goes on there. Um, you know, everybody knows where Chicago is, right? But uh, does anybody know anything other than Chicago about Illinois? Is there a reason to? I'm sure there is. I'm sure I'll get <laughs> some comments being like, actually, Illinois is my favorite state. Illinois has their own Mothman. Illinois has their own Bigfoot. But more importantly to me, they also have Thunderbirds, which I might do an episode on because those are kind of fun. They're just giant birds that kidnap children. But today, this is the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. So it's the 1940s. It's the small town of Mattoon, Illinois. And they're experiencing a strange wave of ailments. Victims smelled a foul odor and would soon find themselves falling to the ground, paralyzed. Police would search the entire town, but would come up short. And to this day, <coughs> people are left wondering, was it man, beast, or perhaps just a case of mass hysteria? It was September 1st, 1944, when the first recording incident occurred. Aileen Kearney was putting her two children to bed while her husband was driving his taxi route. Since her husband was away, Kearney's sister and nephew stayed over to help keep the homestead safe. However, that safety would be put in peril moments after laying the children down to rest. Aileen would tell the Washington Post, I first noticed a sickening, sweet odor in the bedroom, but at the time I thought... It might have been from the flowers outside the windows, but I began to feel a paralysis of my legs and lower body. Thankfully, since her sister was over, Eileen was able to call for hope, and thinking quickly, her sister opened the window and fanned away the fumes. Eileen recovered and called the police to help investigate this mysterious occurrence. They patrolled Mattoon, looking for anything unusual, but they found nothing, proving that these cops were as useless as ever. Eileen's husband arrived home and almost immediately steps out of the car, gets home, steps out of the car. Police just searched everywhere. And he sees a tall man lurking in the night, wearing all dark clothing and a ski cap. <laughs> How pissed would you be? Like, I called the police to come over and look. They apparently searched the whole house, searched the whole town. Husband pulls in and is like, yeah, but who's that guy? <laughs> the next morning, Mattoon's local newspaper, the Journal Gazette, ran the headline, Anesthetic Prowler on the Loose. <laughs> immediately. <coughs> he just, this one guy, so lady smells something weird, gets paralysis, husband comes home, sees a tall man, I guess, calls the newspaper? And they're like, yo, there's a, there's a prowler. Uh, after this report, others would then come forward and tell their own stories of strange fragrances and paralysis. 
Soon, this Mattoon paper counted multiple victims, including two children, and the case became even curiouser the next night. For Carl and Beulah Cords noticed something strange on their door. The couple had been out for a walk that evening, and when they returned at 10 p.m., Beulah spotted a pink cloth stuck to their screen door. Now, <laughs> hilariously, but tragically, she decided the very best thing to do after just reading about the prowler in the paper was to grab this fabric, not only with her bare hands, but immediately pressed it to her own face because she thought it smelled weird. <laughs> so, instantly she told investigators that she felt as though a charge of electricity had gone through me, and she would report a burning sensation beginning in her throat right before she started bleeding from her mouth. But it's just, you know, this, this bitch chloroformed herself. <laughs> so, it's uh, September 18th now, only a few weeks later. In September 18th of 1944, the Time Magazine would then run a story about the mad anesthetius of Mattoon. Just going wild with artistic liberties because, yeah, you know, there's a world war going on. But Time Magazine said, you know what? We gotta talk about this. The publication now declared him the Mad Gasser, an overly tall, thin man who wears a black skull cap and moves through the night as nimbly and as secretly as a cat, squirting a sweetish gas through bedroom windows. And I'm just gonna read here directly. This is directly from the Times article. His victims cough, awaken with burning throats, and find themselves successfully afflicted with one, nausea, two, a temporary paralysis, and three, a desire to describe their experiences in the minutest detail. <laughs> I feel like that last one was personal. <laughs> this latter results often enables them to overcome their symptoms with startling dispatch. None of them had ever seen the mad anesthesiast at his work, nor heard his hollow laugh. But last week, citizens of Mattoon were watching for him any and every midnight. For this mad anesthesiast began his nocturnal visitations two weeks ago, mainly concentrating his fiendish attacks on women. Now one said that it smelled like gardenias and it would make her legs tingle. Another said it was a fat man who had squirted perfume into her bedroom. For Miss Carl Cords discovered the pink damp cloth on her back porch and immediately felt as though she had been electrocuted and she was taken to the hospital. It was at once obvious that Mattoon's housewives were the ones that the anesthesias had baited. And of course it must have been Miss Cords' porch with the cloth soaked in the same substance that he would squirt through the windows. After that, the number of his victims increased. Batoon's ten policemen, who had been ignoring this arch-criminal, now sailed forthright, seeking they knew not what and not finding it. Chicago newsmen swept joyfully down on Mattoon and wired leering accounts of this gas fiend, this thin man of Mattoon, the mad phantom, and also calling him the screwball chemist. <laughs> Just, <laughs> it's, I'm still on. I'm still. This is still the actual Times article. The Illinois Criminal Investigation Laboratory sent an investigator named Robert T. Piper to Mattoon to take the pink cloth from his cord's porch. The laboratory could find no indication of gas or other chemicals upon it. Piper sat up all night reading chemistry books and announced the next day that this anesthesiast was probably using 
chloropicerin, which is a heavy colorless liquid made by chlorinating pisseric acid. Five Chicago chemists distributed the case with cries of hoax, <laughs> but the next 17 families on one block reported that they too had been gassed. Victims continued to say the mysterious substance made them vomit and sometimes affected the use of their arms and legs. And by week's end, Matun was gripped in semi-hysteria. Authorities were poring over records of patients released from the Illinois insane asylums seeking a clue to the mad, <laughs> the mad anesthesia's identity. What was the one? I like the gas fiend, honestly. <laughs> Five state police cars would then arrive to help. Private automobiles full of vigilantes armed with shotguns rolled slowly along the streets at night. Other citizens were taking pistols and shotguns to bed and sleeping behind closed windows. Batoon's police commissioner was alarmed by this display of armament as by the depredations of the anesthesiast, and he pleaded with the vigilantes to disband, and he said, he told Time Magazine, I wouldn't walk through anybody's backyard right now at night for $10,000. Oh, shit is going down. <laughs> people be wild and people just going <laughs> crazy. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. The fever had swept through Matoon. Armed mobs took to the streets at night, knowing that these cops, they weren't finding anything, and their women and their children were in trouble. There was a gangly man dressed in black, and he would be caught and dealt with. The situation grew so dangerous, the police had to issue alerts saying, guys, there's roving bands of men and boys. They are in grave danger of shooting people or each other or getting shot themselves by frightened property owners. Can you all relax? But the general public gave a hearty, fuck you. The police aren't doing their job, so we got to protect our own classic Americana. It's like, <laughs> it's kind of, uh, you guys remember Batman Begins? Like where uh, Scarecrow releases the fear gas in the water supply and it's coming through. It's all the smoke and everything and everybody's just going crazy. Like that's what I think of. Like there's just, there's this mad gasser, maybe. It kind of just seems like a gas leak, like a pipe burst in a street somewhere. But no, it, it, it's probably a, a tall, strange man releasing it. He Maybe he's bursting the pipes. But everybody's just looking at each other. If, if they even act even slightly different than you, you gotta take them out. <laughs> and we're all... It was the line in the, the thing where it's like, no one trusts anyone, and we're all very tired. <laughs> it's, technically, yeah, you know what? It's, it's probably unfortunate that you got mildly paralyzed. Paralyzed? <laughs> but then, like, pulled out of it, right? So it's not even... It wasn't even permanent. No one's died. But I guess, like, World War II is going on, so people were just on, like, already the brink of madness. So, <laughs> I had ammonia one time burst in my face. I was moving an old fridge that was built around the 40s, and the coil in the back, they used to build, make fridges with different chemicals and stuff to keep things closed. Uh, but it cracked and it sprayed right in my face. Um, and looking back, I was actually pretty... Pretty lucky it didn't cause more damage, but it definitely sent me into a state of delirium. <laughs> but uh, here we are. <laughs> Frantic to give the public any sort of proof of any sort of investigation at work, the police chief tried to pin the mystery on a local <laughs> diesel engine plant. 
He said, guys, we found large quantities of carbon tetrachloride, and they're used in the war work at the Atlas Imperial Diesel Engine Company. And that has an order which could be carried to all parts of the cities, and perhaps the wind picked up the fumes from the factory and blew it into us. But Atlas countered immediately, claiming that no one in the factory has ever reported any illnesses of the fumes and there was even an investigation they're like no actually it's completely fine it's not a problem at all so now the police looked twice as incompetent as before because they're just like oh uh, well oh uh, uh, maybe it was them maybe maybe they did it <laughs> Uh, the Journal Gazette pounced on this by saying in their publication, there are two principal reasons why this gasser was not caught. One, our police failed to take the case seriously enough at first, and the other is that when the police finally decided that there was something to it, mass hysteria and outside interference combined made their efforts unsuccessful. So the police chief now wild with incompetency and enraged by not only the people's distrust in him, but the media pouncing on him. He made the statement that he would arrest anyone who further claimed to be a victim unless they first went to the hospital. <laughs> it's such like a, like when a, when a parent gets fed up with their kids. They're like, all right, the next one to tell me about the gasser, you're going to prison. So... Naturally, this put a stop to the reported attacks, but not to the speculations as to who or what was behind the fumes. According to chemistry teacher Scott Maruna, there was a resident by the name of Farley Lewellyn. It's L-L-E-W-E-L-L-Y-N. All right, give me a break. Lewellyn. Lewellyn. Maybe the L's are silent. <laughs> but anyway, he was known to be a bit of a lurker. Llewellyn was also said to be found in his secret chemistry laboratory. <laughs> Real Dexter's lab over here. His experiments once even caused an explosion in his quiet neighborhood. But could this man have visited several homes in one night like a deranged, gassy Santa Claus? Don't know. Because police never followed this up. They knew about this guy. Uh, the teacher, Scott, he brought it up. And they're like, eh, probably not. Probably not. Never checked. <laughs> um, however, somehow, news of the gas fiend, the mad gasser, the thin man of Mattoon, reached international publications as relatives as far-off countries fighting in the Second World War. They were reading about the craziness back home. Citizens of Mattoon were soon receiving messages from their loved ones in the Pacific Theater and from the heart of India inquiring about the gasser. <laughs> They're in their, their front lines. Shit's going down. Bombs going off. Bullets flying over. And they got to pull up the paper and read about this nonsense back home. Private First Class James Arind, who was stationed in England, wrote to his mother in Mattoon to say that a British newspaper had picked up the story of his Midwestern hometown that seemed like something out of a dime novel. From across the world, in the midst of a global conflict, Arend was met with the news that his hometown had fallen into chaos, all due to what he described as a nut who was going about with a spray gun, knocking people out his, with his victims with a strange gas. <coughs> Papers usually described the gasser as a man, though there were a few reports where the witnesses were adamant that it was a woman instead so much so that there was prints of a high-heeled shoe outside windows and a dropped lipstick tube even though the police chief wanted the madman to be swept under the rug the newspapers they were still going on to it that is until the fbi had to get involved and they came into town the, the fbi agents they rolled in 
looked at the armed mobs, the pleading police chief, and then the maniacally laughing journalists holding their bear-poking sticks in their hands. And they're like, so y'all are done. Okay, we're done. <laughs> we're done with this. Big boys here. Stop it. Just go home. The phenomenon basically came down to there being a few actually strange odor incidents, and then most likely some pranksters wanted to jump in on the fun, and the rest was a feverish mob mentality. However, people still, to this day, hold on to the belief that it wasn't a madman at all, but something otherworldly. From theories of secret government testing, to beings made entirely of gas and visiting our world. No one has ever come forward, and no one has ever been caught, for the feverish weeks that Mattoon was held in the strange grip of the mad gasser. And that is all I have. I hope you guys enjoyed this tale. It's a little bit more lighthearted. Nobody died this time, right? Just, uh... Is it boredom, maybe? Perhaps? Perhaps people were just bored. Anyway. I'll see you guys next Monday. And I hope you have a good rest of your week. I hope you have a good drive if you're listening to this on your commute. And, yeah. Let me know what you think. Follow me on Instagram at Tinkerbuff underscore... Or don't. Or uh, follow me on Letterboxd, also under Tinkerbuff. If you want non-stop movie reviews, that's where, those are the two places I'm active most. I do technically have a Facebook, but Facebook is for trailer parks and yelling and being horrible. So there's no reason to follow anybody on there. Alright, you guys. Have a good day. I'll see you next Monday. <laughs>